This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Shouldn't you be at home? the throw. Headed on by Devon White. Peacock's there and Peacock with a magnificent goal. Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh and he has to. No. Hello and welcome to Now That's What I Call Quickly Kevin. It's volume nine. I'm Chris Skoll and joining me, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And mine and Josh's very own Jimmy Five Bellies. It's Mr. Michael Marden. Hello. What qualities do you think you share with Sir Jimmy Five Bellies? Sir Jimmy Five Bellies. Just knighted him. Uh, well, Josh does throw darts at me when I run down the road. <laughs> do you see Jimmy Five Bellies as a sad figure or as a positive figure? Oh, sad. It makes me really, increasingly, it makes me really sad when I hear stories about him. Michael, he's doing well. He's been running marathons for uh, charities, lost a lot of weight. He's in top form. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy for him. He's the, yeah, he's a success story. Here's a question. If when you had been 22, your best mate had got signed by a Serie A team and he'd said, for like your wage now, would you just come out and be my mate? Would you have gone? Absolutely. Would, Would you not? Well, you're kind of putting your life on hold a bit. You're losing yeah. your 20s. What are you doing during training? You're some kind of Stepford wife to Paul Gascoigne. Do you know what I mean? Like, Stepford wife eating dog poo and mince pies. That's what I'm <laughs> But, like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's, it's, a, I suppose, a fun adventure. But, like, I don't know whether it, does it happen anymore. I mean, I think footballers just have a much bigger entourage that follow them around all the time. Like that time we saw Ronaldo in uh, Ibiza. Yeah. But with the power of hindsight, I think I would regret that decision. But at 20 years old, and my friend going, yeah, do you want to come and earn more money than you ever earned in your life? Just dicking around playing GoldenEye and FIFA with me. I'd be like, yes, please. Yeah. I saw an interview with Rio Ferdinand this week, and he talked about going around Cristiano Ronaldo's house when he played for Man United. And he said he went in the house 
and and he said there was like 15 people there and Christian and he said to Christian like who's who's this guy and he was like oh this is my kind of dietitian this is my fitness trainer and it, and he said Rio said it was the first time he'd heard of a footballer who had kind of created a team invested in a team for himself outside of the club and that all these people were kind of living in his house I'd have thought that would be like counterproductive unless the club's doing nothing I'd have thought the club would want to control all that do you know what I mean but then whenever you see Ronaldo all those pictures on Instagram. Obviously, he's got his muscly son, but like this. Very muscly son. His very muscly son. But I think Cristiano Ronaldo is someone who doesn't want to be alone because the voices will start. Do you know there's people? Yeah. I, I think when he puts his head on his pillow at night, Cristiano Ronaldo is fighting some real demons. <laughs> <laughs> so he's always got his dietitian around because he doesn't want to be left alone with his thoughts. We yeah. all like, and we all have that to an extent. Like, some people are better solitary than others. I know, you know, on this lockdown, I've certainly found that I do need some solitary time. But, like, there is, like, do you know what I mean? That I think Cristiano Ronaldo is somebody who doesn't like to be alone. <laughs> Such an interesting take. <laughs> you wouldn't get that on a BT sport, <laughs> would you? <laughs> I reckon this. I think this is probably the only podcast where a discussion of Cristiano Ronaldo's dietitian is swiftly pulled back to how tough people find it on solitary in their own mind. Well, you say that. I think give it six weeks, and the uh, the Athletic will be covering this definitely. <laughs> I wonder, what, I wonder what score are filling the pages with. What score? Isn't it score? What am I thinking of? Shoot. Oh, my God. Wasn't there one called score as well, though? Well, God, this is a digression, isn't it? I suppose there is an element where now we're all... Maybe that's why it's in my head, but you're all kind of facing up to yourself a bit more than you ever have. I don't know whether Henry Winter's finally having to live with himself. <laughs> Speaking of sort of being alone and solitary, like this is a tenuous link, but one of the things I've been enjoying the past couple of weeks is um, like looking at the kind of analytics of Quickly Kevin oh, online yeah, yeah. and like where people listen. Yeah. In the past, I've always been interested in that kind of that one listen that we'll get yeah. somewhere in the world that's really remote. But you can always write it off as going, well, someone was probably just on holiday. But obviously, the world's on lockdown now. So people aren't traveling anywhere. But there are people listening to our show and like it's only once a week in places where it's one single solitary listen for that week and then that's it so i I was like okay i'm gonna look i'm gonna look all around the world where we've only got one listener during this lockdown and we got someone in paraguay we've got we've got a single fan in kazakhstan wow we've got a single fan in djibouti in uh, east africa and a single fan in mongolia I would love to know if you're listening. Who who are you? Like, well, I suppose <laughs> if you work that, because like every, if you work somewhere and you've set your life up there, there will be, you know, Brits abroad working there, I suppose. And it's not like when Mary and Joseph had to go home for the census. Like we are still being locked, <laughs> to, locked out to where we are. <laughs> we're not having to return to where we were born. I think it is interesting, isn't it? But in my head, it's all just people in the in the British consulate, do you know what I mean? Trying to get a taste of home. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Um, Can I just ask a question on that solitary thing, which I think is a good question, is which footballing figure do you think will be dealing best and worst with kind of being left with their thoughts for two months with no football? I think Michael Owen will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be in that bunker with his Belondi or on, <laughs> rotating forever. 
just happily watching his Ballon d'Or spin for two months. And also, because he's not on TV, it's probably the nicest his Twitter mentions have been for five years. <laughs> Uh, I, do, I always thought David Seaman is he always seems like a man very at peace with himself. Yeah, he'll be very happy. Yeah, he's so zen. Yeah, he'd be, he is zen, isn't he? Yeah, I, I think they're both two very good suggestions. So who do you think's really struggling with the lockdown? I think Jamie Vardy's probably struggling. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult to have a one-man Jamie Vardy party. <laughs> also, the problem Jamie Vardy's got, I've seen the inside of his house. If your cleaner's not coming, that chandelier is going to be an absolute right off. <laughs> what about, do you think Jamie Vardy and Rebecca Vardy be up the stepladders like only fools and horses? <laughs> well, also, Jamie Vardy, because presumably has got a new baby, because Rebecca Vardy was pregnant when all that yes. Twitter thing kicked off. Oh, my word, Jamie Vardy must be having an absolute nightmare. Jamie, if you're listening... Our thoughts are with you. Um, I do want to make a quick clarification for legal reasons. A few minutes ago, I pondered what Score magazine are filling their pages with, and it turns out the Score magazine is actually a pornographic magazine, so therefore it's very much business as usual for them. (laughs) I'm obviously confused with a shoot magazine. Um, Shall we have some correspondence? I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. So the, the, I've got a couple of uh, football manager ones, if you want them, Michael. And Chris, obviously. Yes, please. Uh, Philip Taylor, championship manager, regen names. This is a fun one. What's your favourite regen name? Short but simple one, this. But I played a game of championship manager 97, 98, of course, and a very successful time with Manchester United, Juventus and Barcelona. Come on, mate, challenge yourself. People who just manage the big teams. Oh, like, Alex Brookroy starts on. Arsenal. Have a fucking a day on the Come on. <laughs> Anyway, this is great. But Philip Taylor said, by the time I took the Poison Chalice of England manager, my three favourite regem names were Gary Grovelar, Rudolf Redknapp and Alan Letizia. <laughs> <laughs> um, does anyone else have any good names as good as that about Philip Taylor in Manchester? Yeah. yeah. I, I had um, I had a Nigel Zidane. He was awful, but I loved his name so much I just kept playing him. We should try and create a team of the regen names. Uh, so if we note down Gary Grobler, Rudolf Redknapp, Alan Letizia, and they've got to play in the original position of the surname that they've got with Nigel <laughs> to Dan. So send yours in, real ones only. Do you want one more quick Football Manager one that relates to this? Yeah, why not? A forgotten feature of Football Manager from Joshua Pixgill. I'd just completely forgotten this. So he points out... A feature I completely forgotten, which was the set nickname feature in oh, the later yeah. games of what was that? Where you could just change a player's name yeah, to a nickname. I used to do it. Yeah. Did you? Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I, but I would only do it to opposing players that either scored against me or I didn't like. Like I lost a get, I lost an FA Cup final to Arsenal, so, and Dennis Bergkamp scored the winner, so I changed his name to Dolphin Face. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So what? It would just say that when he came up. Yeah, it just it would just what come was up. What's the point like, of know. that feature? I don't know. <laughs> it's such a weird feature. Did anyone use it for an actual useful reason? It's such a, a strange feature that I'd completely forgotten. Um, so if you want to get in touch, this is how to do it. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin. And sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. First up, 
Dara O'Brien talks to us about Jack Charlton and the legend of Ireland in the 90s. Um, Dara, everyone's got a good Jack Charlton story. Have you ever, have you heard, heard it? Oh my God. Uh, no, have you met him? No, I never, I never met him. I never met him in, in the time. There's one mind. story I've heard, and maybe you could shed some light on it. And it was that Jack Charlton obviously spent a lot of time in Irish pubs and he would only pay by cheque because he no knew wood. the landlord wouldn't cash it in. Yeah. They would frame it and put it behind <laughs> yeah, the bar. Yeah. And that there's pubs all over Ireland with a check from Jack Charlton framed oh, behind wow. the bar. I wondered if you'd ever seen one. Or I haven't seen not... one and I'm not sure if that's... It, it's a great idea, but <laughs> I'm sure there's an element of like, ha, 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 that's very funny, but um, also... Uh, because, <laughs> you know, because like you've been really, as we say around Flahulok, which is the Irish for generous, with the whole, oh, the drinks are on me, but really, I think you're thinking... Like, you know, uh, so... Uh, I don't know if that's the thing, but what you do, you'd photocopy the check. Uh, and, um, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the thing. It's a nice idea. They, yeah. uh, because he certainly could, by the end of it, he certainly could actually, he could bask in generosity from Irish people. So he was an Englishman that got accepted. Did you care about the other players, the, the Andy Townsends, the Oh God, Tony no, Kester? no. We were, there was no point at which we in any way we're like oh I'm not sure this is Irish enough this team I don't think you know but the, I don't think I can fully enjoy this <laughs> uh, while a, a question mark resides over Andy Townsend <laughs> oh Andy's ruining it for me Tony Cascarino by the way as we know the great thing about Tony Cascarino was turns out no Irish connection no whatsoever Irish it's a fabulous the, uh, I've occasion <laughs> contact with him on Twitter like whatever great guy sounds like a fantastic guy zero Irishness at all was it, I know, adopted as well he was adopted yeah, yeah. So the there's a story thing. right halfway through his Irish career he discovered he wasn't Irish and uh, Andy Townsend said just keep it under your hand yeah. <laughs> why would you fuck the boat in the situation they'll all come out in the wash so no we, we had no problem with that whatsoever I mean there's people yeah. who got very kind of poke face of the whole thing but actually no at all and, and I would like to portray that as a, a general Irish you know openness and art and evolving yeah. as a nation and welcoming to you know and, and willing to put aside like the dark burden of history uh, as long as it bolstered our midfield he was just nobody was like, nobody <laughs> Thought to troll, and also we're very good at using our diaspora and in, in, and embracing our diaspora. The uh, and this one, yeah. uh, the, the first really like, oh yeah, yeah, grand. Okay, this is the upside to this. We've just lain sleeper agents all over the world. <laughs> uh, I, I knew there was a lot of English players in the Irish team, but I didn't realise it was like official policy. There's a quote from Jack Charlton that said, you want me to compete with the best in the world, I've got to have the fucking best in the world. And it's not here in Ireland that I can find it. I've got to go to England to find it. Tony Cascarino. Tony Cascarino. Cas- <laughs> a word against Kaz. Uh, of all the many, many moments that are particularly joyous, 1988 when we got yep. to it and the first game. Against England. Uh, against England. The uh, Stuttgart, 88. Um, <laughs> where, that? where did you watch this? I was there, of course. Uh, and we all were. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> 16. Uh, I, was, I, was, I watched it in my house. Uh, I got contacted um, uh, by Amy Lawrence uh, oh, yeah. uh, to do, say, would you talk to us about 1989? We're doing the documentary about 1989 yeah. and maybe the story about watching it. As a, <laughs> I was in my front room on my own. I was 17. I wasn't like, you know, oh yeah, I remember we all heard a van and we drove <laughs> to like, you know, when I was there at Anfield. No, I was just, in my house yeah. <laughs> uh, and the uh, but it was uh, Brady was injured 
Yeah. Uh, and Brady couldn't join the squad. Uh, and so Brady got hired by ITV as a kind of pitch side reporter. Um, thing. And they went to Brady before the match and they saying, Liam, just a great day. Just a great day for Ireland uh, to be, to just to be here, isn't it? Isn't it a great day? Just, just, just to be part of all this. Lovely day ever. Yeah. That must be, look at them singing. It must be amazing <laughs> for you. And Brady was fairly Tight-lifted and like person clearly not enjoying the tone of it. The, yeah. uh, and then it came back at halftime, and Brady had this huge grin on his face, <laughs> going, "Yes, <laughs> what you, now you'd like to talk to me about this?" Like, no. were you sad to be played? Were you like, "Oh, not England," or was I, it like, "Yeah, I, I thought no." Do you know what? I, we had no idea because it's years. I mean, the last time we played them was like, I think we lost a two-nil in a in a friendly that Keegan had scored a couple of goals in like about three, four years earlier. Yeah, uh, yeah we were expected not to do yeah. well and that was kind of in that regard it was a, it was a gamble but you know we were so what are we doing here the, yeah. uh, it, it, it was ridiculous like whatever together Galvin pulling it across a missed kick by Sansom in goes Aldridge and Houghton 1-0 and Ray Houghton has stopped the breakthrough and Jack Charlton cannot believe it so beating England must have been unbelievable. Astonishing. Like it's it's just the hugeness of the thing and just the eruption of joy. And like people in cars, meh, meh, driving up yeah. and down a street, like whatever, genuinely we went Latin American on the whole <laughs> And we, we, it was one of those turns where when as the matches progressed, Orty would send out people to interview people who were out while the games were on in a kind of a, what are you doing here? And it would be like, Old women walking dogs going. I, I, I'm not. I don't know. And you go. Who's out? Like and they spin cameras around empty, deserted streets. Those yeah. classic. Uh, in those days, the thing was always the surge of electricity at half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cups of tea. <laughs> Cups of tea. That was a real yeah. '90s story. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, Darren Huckabee tells us about playing under notorious long ball manager John Beck, and then his time at Newcastle United. Um, you played briefly under one of the most infamous managers in the lower leagues, John Beck. Um, <laughs> there's so many stories about this. They're all true. Oh, they're, Are they? So, they're all true. Did you, were you excited to play under no. John Beck? <laughs> <laughs> no. I love I loved the idea of John Beck. I just want to read out some of these stories and you can say whether you saw them or not. He once fined a goalkeeper for throwing it short rather than punting it down the pitch. Yep, definitely <laughs> true. Played a centre-back as a centre-forward because he just wanted a big lump. That would have been definitely true. <laughs> and deliberately trained on the central bank pitch every day so it would be a complete mess come match day. Yeah, it basically I've seen it seen him warthog in the pitch on purpose. <laughs> he used to leave the, the, the obviously the sides longer so yeah. the ball would stop in the corners. Yeah. In one of my first games... He actually threatened to take me off if I came inside and shot. <laughs> I just got it. I beat three people, cut inside, had a shot. The keeper saved it, but he caught, he caught it. Yeah. He pulled me on and said, next time, go down the wing and try and get a corner. <laughs> try and get so a corner. So you can get the big lads up. That's what goes on the street. I only played about three games with him because, yeah. and then I got sold on. But like the ice buckets in the... In so the, did he throw ice water? Well, he tried court? to. Even, even me at... I don't know, 18, I've said, it's not going to make me better soaking cold or freezing, is it? It's like, but that, that was all true. Wow. So what was the, that one? He would throw ice water on you? Oh, no, you had, to, of... you had to run, there was like a gauntlet where you had to run through the shower and you had the young guys chucking ice water on you to, before the game to try and... Did you G you up or something? I don't know what it did. But, <laughs> but the thing is, he had success at Cambridge yeah, with yeah. that and, you know, 
I don't think it can work everywhere. Yeah, yeah. He must have had some tough old boots in that, that dressing room. Obviously, Dion and Liam Dace, they played for him at Cambridge, yeah. so they might have been all right with it. Did but... you share stories with them? Like, did they talk fondly of him? Or Well, they, when you're successful, you do anything. I yeah. think especially if you're lower league, you're kind of like, you'll just do anything if it's going to make you make you successful and bring you a few quid in. So, yeah. But it was ridiculous. Was he scary? No. <laughs> no, he wasn't scary, but he just, when you're a manager, you've got, got to do what your manager says. Yeah. The worst thing about it now, he's actually does the FA coaching courses now. Does he? Does he? It does, I think he does UA for B and UA for A. And I'm thinking, wait, man, I played for you. So I, <laughs> how can you be telling people how to do short passes and <laughs> dropping in the holes and all that kind of stuff? Come Is on. Is he like a kind of, you know, when like someone converts to Christianity or something, totally changes? He's now yeah. really into like tiki taka or like. <laughs> well, it's madness. Because you, you can't go from one, one extreme to the other like that. Yeah. <laughs> Was it difficult to play in his. Did he have he had very set kind of ways the team would play then? You just get it and smash it in the corners. He actually, because I played with a lad in called Matt Carmen, I don't know if you can remember him, big centre-half, right. played for West Brom and Derby, I think. And he was in our youth team, and he was obviously a big lad. And he said, I'm going to build a team around you two. I'm going to get it and smash it in the up to carbs. He's going to flick it on. I was thinking, this, is, this ain't for me. <laughs> it, 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 this ain't for me. Even though I went to play for Coventry, we kind of did the same variation with Dion, but yeah. it was slightly different. <laughs> a bit cleverer, higher yeah, level. Yeah, no, it was different. And like yeah. I say, it wasn't a mud bath and... The grass was six inches longer on the, on the wings. <laughs> so you've got this, the grass in the, the corner of the pitch, the ice chucking over you before the game. Then you find out Newcastle have picked up the phone and asked for your services. I bet you couldn't wait to get out, could you? It's really, it's really strange because you're kind of like... I was at a game and he said, oh, you're not playing tonight. Keegan's in the crowd. He wants you to go with him and stay at his house tonight and sort out a deal tomorrow at Newcastle. How many games had you played at this point? 30-something, 35. So you, did you have any idea this was going to happen? There were rumours that Man United or Newcastle were watching. Because yeah. you, you don't know, do you? But the scouts they send all the time. And I was playing pretty well. But, you, you, you know, it's a big jump from... Earning a lot of corners, that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> bottom of the third division, because that's where we were at the time. Yeah. So Newcastle and Man United who were one and two in the Premier League. That's mad. So You yeah. must have been unbelievably better than everyone around you. I was probably eye-catching, just because yeah. I was quicker and, you know, I was direct and... Like I did all the way from my career, I played the same way basically. Just got a little bit better at doing it when I got a bit older. But I can remember ringing my mate up who was, who was at Lincoln at the time. I said, "Mate, you ain't gonna believe this. I'm actually in Kevin Keegan's bedroom, <laughs> but not not Kevin Keegan's bedroom, but one of Kevin Keegan's other bedrooms." Yeah, yeah. Did you call from the landline? No, no, I'm a, I'm, oh. a, I'm a, I had a mobile phone. What was Kevin Keegan's house like? It was nice. It was on the estate of Sir John Orr's estate. Okay. Oh really? Yeah. So my dad drove up the next day to negotiate. A deal and all this kind of stuff. So, so you just went up to his house, staying his house, yeah. And so, what was it like staying in the it house? Weird. It was weird. It was weird. Obviously, he's a. But was the chat like on the car on the way there? Is it... it was all right, but you know, a young kid who's not seen much and he's a superstar. That you know, from John that. Beck to Kevin Keegan <laughs> yeah. in, a, in an afternoon. Yeah, you got one who literally don't want to play football, and one who all he cares about is playing football. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Is that the norm to go and stay at a manager's house before you? Not that, that seems... I know of. No. <laughs> Not and that I know. Did of, you but... spend the evening with him, like playing board games or like what? How... No, no, we got there pretty late because after right. the game it's ten o'clock. So by the time we drove to Newcastle, it's bedtime, yeah. and then we're out in the morning. To, to, so it was literally, it was literally, go to the bedroom, sleep, off you go. So you go into that dressing room, you sign for Newcastle. Suddenly, five hundred grand as well. Yeah, it's a good fee for a bottom division. It was, yeah. I, I nearly didn't sign because I was on like four hundred quid a week. That's what I was. Got paid at Newcastle. Really? 100 quid a week? Yes, yeah, so I was on 120 pound at Lincoln. 120 quid? Yeah, and uh, obviously I, I knew for a fact there was people in the Lincoln dressing room who were on 1,000 pound a week. 
So I'm like, I go to Newcastle, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, here we go, happy days, I'm going to be, and then uh, 400 quid. And I was like to my dad, I can't do it, there's people at Lincoln who are earning <laughs> twice as much. But my dad said, it's not about the money now, is it? It's about just going and... Wow. Playing. But I got a free car though. I got a free but, uh, free car. So. That's definitely oh, that's wonky, isn't it? Because half a million transfer fee and 400 yeah. quid a week. That's out of step, surely. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my, my dad was right. He so said, this is a chance you can't. Yeah. They and, know and, that and, they've and, got and fair you. Play though, to he, was, he, he actually wanted you to earn it. He didn't just want you to go and have loads of, you know, have loads of money and start. So yeah. you still have to, you still, your mind was switched on that this was kind of the only in the beginning. It's not, you hadn't kind of made it. Yeah. yeah, and then when you get in the chain room, you see the players you're with. You realise that you haven't made it. The Shearer, Beardsley, Ginola, Ferdinand, some big characters on slightly more than 400 quid a week as well. So. Yeah, because the club was flying at the time as well. I think they were top of the Premier League, and you know Beardsley was one of my heroes as, as growing up. So to actually just be in the same group, even though kind of not part of it, but still in yeah. the same group, was was amazing for me. Are they welcoming in that situation? You know, I can remember my first training session. We did like it was like two v twos and three v threes, and I was on Beardsley's team. And I had one of them things where I scored three or four goals, you know, in, in quick succession. And he actually said, "Wow, we've got a player here." And for him oh, to say that, yeah, but to have that as you, from one of your heroes saying that in a training session, I was like, "Wow, I kind of made it a bit today." Were you intimidated at all in training, or were you like, "I'm going to show these guys"? What I'm I won't say I was intimidated, but I also knew that they were a, a different level to where I'd been at. Mm. You know, because you know you play you play at Lincoln; it's a third division, and you know you think you're a, a footballer, and you are, but then you go to a big club. And you see proper players, and you realise I've got a long way to go. Yeah, and I, I, I felt that you know with the players I have in front of me, you know, your Aspreas, Ferdinand, Shearer, Beardsley, Kitson. And what's the, what was Keegan like to play under in that? Because he seemed such an inspiring figure at the time, and such a. I think he just kind of let let the players get on with it. Yeah. You know, he, he just wanted to attack, and you saw that if he had a, a defensive bone in the body, he'd have probably won the league that year. Yeah, but it was everyone's second favourite team on it. That's yeah. But it's easy for training was was classic. For forwards, it was brilliant. You yeah, know, finishing and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, as an attacking player, it was great to to play for him. What was David Ginola like? Unbelievably good, like, mind-blowingly good. He could do everything. He's like six foot two, six foot three, stacked, good with both feet. Looked a million dollars. <laughs> great hair. Great hair. <laughs> great hair. package. And he was one of the only one in my whole career, really, where every morning he'd go around and shake everybody's hand, whether you were Les Ferdinand, Alan oh, Shearer, really? or one of the young lads. I, I was blown away by that. Did, is it true that he would like just be smoking cigarettes kind of around the place? He probably did a bit sneaky, but I've definitely seen him have a, a fag. <laughs> and finally, comedian Tom Davis talks to us about his beloved West Ham in the 90s. Um, we always start. Have you met a nineties footballer? Yeah, I mean you've met lots. I've met quite a few. My favourite is Matt Letitia, I think. Yeah, I shot a thing with Matt Letitia for Southampton and for um, Adidas. We went out to Prague together, and uh, Matt would only drink uh, um, Malibu, Malibu and it? Coke. Malibu, yeah. yeah, so you're just going around to these bars in Prague, seeing if they shoot, shoot Malibu, uh, Malibu <laughs> and Coke. Do you sell this? And uh, I just remember eating like a really big chocolate crepe with him. <laughs> chatting to him about 90s football and he had chocolate all around his mush <laughs> I did tell someone that you adored uh, that he's just yeah that he's was, a nice bloke isn't he yeah incredible guy and that was my favourite time of genuine like mm. characters were in the game yeah. you know I've talked about you know it before but you know especially as a West Ham fan it felt at times that you know they were an extension of the crowd do you know what I mean yeah. and, and and I think that was I feel really lucky because I if I'm honest I still love West Ham. Still go yeah. when I can. I still well, love the football. So far away, there's no extension possible. No, 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 I mean, a fucking hell of an extension. <laughs> you need a bridge, Josh. 
<laughs> Did you ever feel jealous of Southampton because they had this mercurial player in Matt Letizia that was obviously way too good for them? And West Ham, we had Julian Dix, but we never had like a playmaker, a creative type like that. We yeah. had Julian Dix. Uh, <laughs> we had Julian Dix. Well, I mean, he was that, that goes that <laughs> No, you know, I, I suppose as a player, I was more of a Julian Dix. I was more of a sort of like sort of set. My, you know who my favourite player of that time was? And I, it was weird. I was. It was Tim Breaker. I used to love Tim Breaker. I loved Tim Breaker. I loved him, though. I don't know. Because I sat in the chicken rung. Yeah. Right forward, yeah. I sat in the chicken rung. And like I used to eat, you know, it was playing right back. And it's a weird thing because Stevie Potts was obviously Stevie Potts. And he sort of came in to be Tim Breaker. I don't know what that means. Stevie Potts was obviously Stevie Potts. Stevie Potts was... Stevie Potts was a legend, right? right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah he, was but he scored. I, he played 399 games, scored one goal, and his one goal is the worst goal anyone's ever scored. Like 30 <laughs> yards, like dribbles along the floor, nutmegs the keeper, and rolls oh. in. And Tim Breaker came in for him, really. And Why was, did you love Tim Breaker? I don't know. It was. Like, he must have been like six two, and he's a fullback. <laughs> I just like. I like those players. Yeah. I like the sort of players that when you watch, you think oh, maybe I could have made it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of those at West Ham. Yeah. <laughs> so what we were going to go through today was we were going to say your worst West Ham 11 but then you've what we've decided is um what was the phrase you used yeah like, shit but you love them yeah that's but that's that's the thing for me with with the 90s and, and football was was the characters and and I think it's really sadly lacking like you know you guys you've met footballers sort of from from the 90s you met mm. footballers now and the stories the sort of folklore you hear yeah from the 90s I just I love that sort of that, that, that heyday of, of you know the Dannys, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, we always say like there was much more of a connection with the team than you, yeah. you lack now. If so, yeah. professional. Imagine our now. No one's be talking about Arnautovic like they talk. You talked about Tim Brake in a second. No, no, ago. no, no. And I think that, but that goes across the whole team, doesn't it? You know, you know Trevor Morley, you know Ian Bishop, and and I'm very fortunate to do this for a living. So I, I've met you know I'm friends with Harry, and I've, I've chatted to a few of the older players, and sort of so, so as you hear, you can't ever imagine ever happening again and when I was growing up I grew, I grew up around sort of Sutton and Wimbledon and Croydon so the crazy gang were sort of you know yeah. when I was 16, 17 they were in their pomp really and I'm, I mean that sort of second generation of Peter Fear yeah. uh, Johnny Scales um, it was sort of just after fashion so it would probably been uh, FN Akuku those guys who sort of Michael Hughes Warren Barton yeah Peter Fear, I had so many nights out with. And Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to go out drinking quite a lot with him. I, you know, I play sort of Sunday league, and then you know they'd be in O'Neill's in Sutton every Sunday. So, and I'd be <laughs> scaffolding the next day. So you go on the shant with him. And Peter Fear was. I remember Liverpool were looking at Peter Fear. He was a really, he was a decent right back. He, yeah. he was, he was a new. But he was in O'Neill's on a Sunday. That's yeah, like oh, yeah. The every, but this is what I'm saying. Yeah. It was like, yeah. I mean, he was being talked about as being the new Warren Barton at one. <laughs> Yeah. What I love about this podcast, it's so niche, but there's people going, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> But not Neil Wardley, yeah. Neil Sullivan. That was, what know. was it like going on the lash with them? Were they, were they seen as celebrities in the O'Neills? Yeah, but that's, that's what, yeah, in O'Neills in Sutton they were. <laughs> like, I remember sort of like having like a really, I suppose it probably would have been a, maybe 3210, maybe before even that, having Peter Fear's number on your phone felt like, you know, like I look at my life now and I think back then that was everything. And, it was, and also, like, like cheers in a way, like walking into O'Neill's in Sutton on a Sunday night and Peter Fear going, big chum, you all right? Here we go. Yeah, that's How you do? Everybody yeah. knows about me. <laughs> Um, Would you get excited if Peter Fear texts you now? Or is that I, gone? No, I, mean, no, I haven't got the same number because of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think he was manager of Crawley Town for a bit. He, he, yeah. 
often think, what happened to Pete? <laughs> Out of two of us back then, you'd have thought, you know, old Peter Fear, Liverpool, England were looking at him. Yeah. You know, he might have been, it is sad it's for Peter you... Fear that my life's turned out better. <laughs> Odd that you're the one that ended up on a 90s football podcast and Peter Fear can get booked for London or Manor. All the people in that O'Neill's and Sutton, you're the one who's been chosen. But if you do have his number, if you could pass that. Thank you for listening to Quickly Kevin. Uh, That was some of our best bits. Now, um, we have a name game going on. If you'd like to explain the rules, Chris. So the idea is you've got to string together players' names. And we said they can you can go right up to like 2010, for example. But Do they need to be the full word? Well, I noticed that some people have done this phonetically. Yeah, but I, I, I don't, think it will work on the podcast. That. Okay, no, you can like, decide like, if they like you decide decide for this. Someone's put Paul Ifill into Phil Gilchrist, into Christoph Dugary into Gary Palace. So he's just using the final syllable. Yeah. I don't think that counts. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. All right. I don't think that counts. I still think it's worth reading out because it is excellent. Well, okay, I'm going to read one out, which is borderline. Michael, I think you're the person to judge whether this counts. Is this allowed? Paul Ifill, Phil Gilchrist, Christoph Dugary, Gary Pallister, Stern John, John Collins, Collins John, Jean-Francois Perron, Ronaldinho, Dino Baggio, Giovanni, Neil Ardley, Lee Chapman, Manuel Ruiz. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Like on every single level. We'd be here all fucking year if we allow that. I think you have to at least attempt to join the name the to the name. We might allow one tenuous one if it's slightly creative and it just extends the link. Okay. But I don't think I don't think you can do that. No way. No. Here's way. a seven in a row from Adam Miller. Michael, will you allow this? Pierre Laurent. Lauren Robert, Robert Lee, Lee Collins, Collins John, John Spencer, Spencer Pryor. Love Sensational. It. Perfect. Sensational Perfect. work. That, there we have. We have a seven from Adam Miller. That is currently our leader. Also, amazing to use Collins John and not use John Collins. Astonishing. <laughs> because it would have boxed him into a corner. So it's, it's lovely yeah. to see. Can I just say as well, someone sent us one in where they used the referee. I will not allow that. <laughs> Okay, thank you for listening. Robbie Slater, see you later. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.